This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are glad that you are with us today. We are excited for this episode where we are going to talk a whole bunch of 2017 recruiting for the TCU Horn Frogs. We have our special guest with us tonight, Jeremy Clark from Horn, Plark, Horn Frog Blitz 24-7 CBS Sports. Jeremy, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today to talk about Horn Frog football. Hey, no problem, guys. I'm excited to do this. Look forward to talking to some football with you guys. Sounds good. There's been a lot that's happened since the last time we were on the show. We lost the bowl game. We're just not, that's all we're going to say about it, but we got recruiting. And then, you know, even if you have a bad December, you can have a good February and the frogs are, are in a good position. Before we dig into recruiting, Daniel's got a couple things. He wants to kick this off before we really get into some of the deep questions about who we're getting, who we're not changes that we're making. Daniel, why don't you kick us off here tonight? Sure thing, man. Hey, Jeremy, uh, you know, as exciting as the recruiting is, and, and it is exciting, there's a you know a couple other things going on, um, you know, big time things that affect the the program overall, and uh, number one being like the coaching changes. Um, Doug Meacham is out, uh, off to Kansas. Um, just kind of wondering what all you know about that. Um, any you know any implications of that, and who else, you know there's rumors out there about who's coming and who's going, things like that, you know? So I'm just wondering uh, what, what your thoughts are on all that. Well, I think the big thing starting off with, uh, with Doug leaving to Kansas, I, I want to say, you know, it's, it, it, with him being 52 years old, it's kind of one of those deals where it, it took a hit to his ego when, when you get told that someone else is going to take over Clay Collin duties and, and talking to people close to the program. Um, it, it was a decision that, was kind of coming. It was, it was coming. I, I know there was uh, some, obviously a lot of head scratchers this season, watching the offense, some of the play calling and so forth. But I think it really came to head when I guess about uh, three to four weeks ago, Hugh Freeze had called uh, coach Patterson and, and inquired about Sonny becoming their offensive coordinator. And it became that point where coach Patterson really wanted to hang on to Sonny because he was already looking for a change was already kind of leaning towards Sonny to become the play caller. But once Ole Miss came calling, it was 100%, you know, guaranteed that he had to make that decision and let Sonny come and be the play caller. And when you get Sonny, you get to keep recruits like Omar Manning and Sean Robinson. You know, Sean Robinson's a guy that is going to remind a lot of folks of Trevon Boykin. And that was one of those things where Gary probably looked at it a little bit and thought, if I lose Sonny, do I lose Sean? So it, it became really an easy decision for him. I know he didn't want to leave, uh, want Doug to leave. Um, he offered him basically the same role as Sonny. They were just flip-flopping positions. But depending on who you talk to, there's obviously some things going on behind the scenes that really weren't discussed. I mean, um, people not getting along. You, you hear rumors that Doug really didn't get along with Gary. You hear rumors that Doug didn't get along with Sonny. Regardless of any of that, it was just time for Doug to – make a change and he wants to have a chance to be a head coach somewhere. And I think if he can go up at a place like Kansas, where it's basically football purgatory that he does well, then he'll have that opportunity. And, and really if, if Kansas does well, it opens the door for David Beatty and then you have someone like Doug Meacham step in. So, and, and, and you know, 
everything fair. It, it all worked out. Sonny's Sonny's going to be the play caller, and Doug gets a chance to go prove himself up to Kansas. Wow, that's interesting. That's um, and that's true. It did work out, you know, overall for everybody. And you know, um, obviously, we all love what Doug did for us here, and uh, wish him the best and everything. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, another thing I had was about the size of the recruiting class. Uh, for a lot of us, we're a bit worried for a while that um, we weren't going to be getting quite as many recruits coming in, and it was going to be kind of a small class. But uh, it seems like just within the last eh, couple weeks, um, just people started committing, you know, and, and maybe the staff knew about these guys all along, but they just, you know, one here and one there. And, uh, pretty soon the, the size of the class has increased. I was uh, wondering what you thought about that. Well, the size of the class always changes. No matter what number myself or Jeremiah or any, any recruit Nick out there tells you that a, that a certain college is going to take, that number is always going to change. Um, in the beginning, this was going to be a very small class simply because there wasn't a lot of scholarships available. But you have guys leaving the program, transferring, Tyree Horton's gone, Braylon Mitchell's gone. Uh, I mean, several players I can't even name off the top of my head that are no longer part of the program that opened up those scholarships. So now, instead of having a class that might have filled up 13 or 14 spots, you have a potential class of 18 to 19. So a lot of that has, Daniel, it just has to do with attrition and, and you know, just people not deciding to stay with the program. And you have you have these commitments late in the process like this because even though their names aren't talked about in our forums or really out there on Twitter that much, it, it, there's always stuff going on behind the scenes where you have coaches that constantly keep recruits warm. They're, they're kind of keeping, keeping them hidden a little bit. You know, there's sometimes where, yeah, I mean, you could just look at a couple of days ago when, when Ezra committed immediately, Ole Miss started following them on Twitter. Quasel White, you know, came down to TCU immediately. Baylor starts following them on Twitter. So, you sometimes have to keep some of these things quiet just because you have those hidden gems that you want to keep quiet and you want to keep to yourself because you know, once it gets out there that particularly with TCU, once it gets out there with that, they have an offer, other teams come calling. And I think every one of us have learned that, especially within the past five or six years, that that's why there's a lot of secrecy involved in recruiting, particularly in January when it gets really heated up. Yeah, I think there's even an article out today kind of about um, in the Star-Telegram about that uh, because, yeah, it, you know, people recognize uh, Gary Patterson and, and, and companies, the ability to recognize maybe not so obvious talent. And then so as soon as they get an offer, they realize, well, these kids must be better than we realize. So uh, it's kind of a... Wild West kind of thing going on out there, but uh, it's crazy. Anyway, it's, it's fun. I yeah. mean, it's fun. It's yeah. you, you gotta. I mean, really. It, and I've said it a hundred times. And Jeff, you you can, you know, say you know say the same thing. In January, it's it's really about as much as hanging on to these players as it is landing these players. Because when you have other teams such as Texas and and Baylor coming after your recruits, Oklahoma, that that's saying something. And so, uh, in a lot of these cases, and especially within the past few weeks when you've seen the TCU commitments tweeting out that they're 110% committed, that, that really helps TCU a lot just by saying that our kids are bonding together. They're going to stick with this class. And, you know, if you guys want to come join something special, this is the place where it's going to be at. So it's, it's, uh, I think in the future, you're going to see more of that 
every every uh, recruiting cycle in January, we'll start to see recruits start to reaffirm their commitment, not only to TCU but to other places. Yeah, it feels like that we are the the scouting program for about half the Big Twelve. So whenever we offer somebody, you know, there's there's four other teams that all of a sudden decide, hey, this looks like a great player. So I know it's a little frustrating, but it really does just speak to the the ability of TCU to to find players, to evaluate players, and you know, we know what to do with them for the most part when they get here. So I think that's what sets us apart. But yeah, if if, if we start if we offer somebody Old Miss, Baylor, somebody else is going to follow. That's just the way that it goes. Well, I can tell you a story right now that, that I don't even know if I've mentioned before that I, I've talked with people that cover Texas that will come up to me and ask, hey, is is this player, does he have a legitimate offer from TCU? And I'll say, yeah, uh, okay, well, that makes sense then because Texas is starting to show interest because we know Charlie Strong values Gary Patterson's evaluation. He recruits the same way. And so when Texas started going after some lower-ranked kids and the some of the Texas fans were used to seeing those four and five star recruits, but yet Charlie goes after some little known recruits, kind of the same recruiting method that TCU has. It, it opens some eyes and, and people value Gary Patterson's evaluation and the staff's evaluation more than ever now. As they should, I think his, his work and development speaks for itself. So, well, uh, Jeremy, we got a lot of questions that came in on Twitter, some of them that came on in on the 24-7 site, as well as some folks that emailed some questions in to me. So I'm going to go through some quick hits here. You talk as much or as little as you want about any of these, but i got about 10 things I want to sprint through. And um, anything that you can tell us that maybe you haven't posted online, anything you feel like, hey, I just found out I could talk about this today, we would <laughs> love to hear about that. We're First gonna go off, back. I'm married, so I'm oh. married, so don't ask any married questions, okay? Okay, all right. Fair enough. All right. Let me scratch that. We're down to two questions now. So um, <laughs> let's go back to December and we don't have to relitigate this, but we put all that work in with Baron Brown and Anthony Hines and they ended up not at TCU hindsight 2020. Do you think the staff regrets any of the energy they put into that? Or do you think it showed that we are going up against Ohio state? We are going up against uh, Texas A&M. And even though we didn't win that battle, we were right in the trenches until the end. How do you think the staff evaluates those recruiting, uh, that recruiting process after the fact they missed on both of them? Well, I mean, it, it's like I told Carlos Mendez from Star Telegram. You, you don't really know if you have a chance with these recruits unless you go out and ask them. And once you go out and ask them and, and they show kind of the same, same interest in you, then you got to keep recruiting them. You got to keep showing them the love, no matter who you're against. It's like this weekend. Fidarian Mathis and Todd Harris are both coming in. TCU's in a battle with LSU and Alabama. There's not very many people that are giving those two kids a chance to end up at TCU, but for them to come in and visit and still tell the coaches that you guys are still in it, they've got to they've got to put the effort into trying to do anything they can to land those recruits. And I don't think it's wasted time with guys like Barron and Anthony. Because I'll tell you one thing about Barron, and it, it and I've said it a hundred times that his relationship with Darnell Fitch was unlike any other relationship he had with another coaching staff. I mean, it's, it basically came down and it, to, to Barron really wanting to leave home. And that's the, that's the bad part about some of these recruits in the DFW area, because you have such a great university with TCU, you have great facilities. You actually, you know, you know, have, Uh, a good record in the big 12. You've got one of the top coaches in college football, but the only problem with some of these kids is it's too close to home. Now everyone's going to say, Hey, once you get to college, you're not, uh, you know, I live 30 minutes from home 
And I never went home. But that's a little different to some of these kids. Some of these kids just want to get out and really go to a place like Alabama or Ohio State or Texas a It's not anything to do that's wrong with TCU or wrong with the way they were recruited. It's just you're working with the mind of a 17- and 18-year-old kid. And sometimes you're dealing with some of their you know, family members that might be pushing them towards certain schools. But, you know, you have to go in. You have to go in and make those efforts to those kids. You have a, you know, have a long list of guys that TCU really put in an effort with. And if they didn't, those, those guys wouldn't even be considering TCU. They can actually go back and say, you know what, Miles Garrett was wearing his top two. We're in top two for Dalen Mack. We're in the top two for Baron Browning. We're in the top two for uh, Jonathan Gray. You know, the, you know, big four or five-star recruits that they can say that they legitimately had a chance at that, you know, six, seven years ago, they had no chance in the world to get these kind of recruits. So you've got to go out and still recruit the big names. Make no mistake. Everyone says Gary Patterson's going to recruit his players, but he's still going to go after those five and four-star kids. He's just going to. He wants those kind of players at TCU because some of those five-star and four-star players have a three-star mentality. Okay. They're not big on themselves. They're not, they're not thinking, okay, if I don't go to Ohio state, my college career is not going to be good. That's, that's not the case. And with Barron, I could, I can honestly say if TCU was a little bit further from home, I think he would have went to TCU. I don't think it had anything to do with mm-hmm. uh, the name mm-hmm. across the front of the Jersey or what the uh, logo looked like on the helmet. I think it was just one of those cases where he just wanted to get, honestly, get a little bit further from home. And I can tell you right now with Anthony Hines, TCU was in that race till about 10 o'clock that morning. I mean, his dad, I've known Anthony since he was in eighth grade, did the first ever uh, recruiting article with him. They've always known me. I've always known their family. uh, And he's always been up front with me. And when it started to come out that TCU was rumored to be in the mix, I called his dad and said, is this true? Do I even do I even need to get my subscribers excited about the thought of Anthony Hines coming to TCU? And he told me that night, it's very legit. It's a very legit chance. And I even had sources telling me that TCU has a very, very good shot at Landon Hines. So when you have those cases like this, I know I'm long-winded here, but when you have those cases where you're getting intel from all kinds of different people, and the intel that I'm getting it's the same type of intel the coaches are getting. So there's no reason for them to just stop and not waste their time on kids that they don't think they can get. When in actuality, they had a very good shot at getting guys like Baron and, and uh, Anthony. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I agree with that completely. That that list you just ran down. Yeah, we missed on a bunch of these guys, but we're going to hit on one of them one of these days. So, yeah, I love I love I love seeing us down to the wire. I hate that we don't get it. I hate being the bridesmaid, but it's nice to be in that process and we'll never be in it. We weren't going to be in it in the mountain West and we got to earn it more in the big 12. And one of these days it's going to break our way. That's just what I believe. It does. You know, it's eventually going to happen and, and people don't realize it now, but you, you look back to last summer, it did happen when Sean was a five-star. Yeah. That was the first yes. five-star that committed to TCU. So everyone was thinking Sean's going to Texas or he's going to Ohio State, wherever was recruiting him was where he was going. It wasn't ever going to be TCU. And then all of a sudden he goes to TCU. I'm sitting in church the night he commits and have a vacation Bible school for my daughter. And, and uh, my phone goes off and Jeremiah can attest to this. He sent me about 30 text messages during that time. And I finally looked down at my phone and saw Sean Robinson had committed. And I'll be honest, I'm pretty in tune with what's going on with TCU recruiting. And that one even shocked me. So they're already getting those type of players, and I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. Jalen Rager's a good example. 
Um, Omar Manning's a good example. Wes Harris is a good example. So they're getting those players right now. Just they're going to get more of them in the future is what my opinion is. We just had a commit the other day. It's uh, an amazing story. So just give us a little backstory here. Ezra Tua, I'm sure I'm, I'm butchering his name there, huge Polynesian man, not a boy, not a student, a man from the West Coast. He seems as if he did not have a linear process from high school to Fort Worth. Give us a little backstory about this big defensive tackle and how in the world he ended up at TCU. Cause this is, a, uh, this guy looked like the center from the necessary roughness. That's what he looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, I wish that, you know, I wish I could really get into his backstory, but to be honest with you, I, I really don't know it myself. I know uh, he went on an LDS mission and was out of football for a little bit. He's, he's up close to his mid twenties right now and uh you know obviously he was the guy that i was referring to this past weekend that was a secret uh visitor and 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 really it was a is a deal that they loved him on film they wanted everything they could do to keep that kid quiet and, and not let other folks learn about him and it was amazing to watch his film and, and know that really none of those west coast teams were on him and and i don't know if it has anything to do with the age he is or um, the years of eligibility he has left, he has two years of eligibility left, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool story because you see a guy like he's, he's, he's already married. So you know, you're going to get a mature player on your roster and Lord knows every college team can use more mature players. And he, he's just a, he's a big position need. They needed a big defensive tackle. He's got great size. Obviously you watch his film. He's got a great motor, very strong. Uh, and this is a guy when they try to keep kids secret, there's a reason. And it, like I mentioned earlier, when once he committed or once he announced that he had an offer from TCU, he immediately started getting attention from other coaching staffs on Twitter. So that just kind of shows you what kind of value some of these other coaches have in TCU. And once I'm sure they watched the film on them, they really wanted to pursue them. I mean, it, it, it became one of those deals where Cal was looking at them. I believe uh, Oregon State started to look at them and – I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some other schools trying to problem away within the last seven days of uh, this recruiting cycle. But, you know, it's a, it's a great land. He's not going to be one of those kids that's the flashy four- or five-star kid, but I'm guaranteeing he's going to make a big contribution next year for them. At a needed position, we need some depth at defensive tackle, as, as everybody on the board knows. So that's, that's good. That's a great story. I have a feeling that's going to be one of those stories they talk about on ESPN when he's making a, making a big splash and referencing his age and how he ended up in Fort Worth. And I promise I'm going to find more, uh, more about him, but it was just a crazy deal because when, when I first was told about him, I was told, don't you say a word about him. So it's, it's just like – you know, once you, once you hear that, you know it's something special. And there's another one of those guys coming up this weekend that I get the infamous don't say anything about him until he's gone type deal because he's one of those recruits that just got eligible and uh, he's he's great on film and he's a he's a position of need player. So he'll be up and down this weekend, and I think uh, Frogs have a really good chance of getting him. Good, good. Look forward to reading about that pretty soon. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, this is this is the best time of the year. I, I mean, aside from the actual games. So, yeah, this is the best time of the year. All right, a couple of players that we got that we're targeting here as, as we come down to the finish line. Uh, give me a little backstory on. Uh, give me a little backstory on Corey Bethley, uh, Taylor Ham, everyone's favorite writer on the TCU forum. 
has said that his sources have confirmed that TCU is possibly the leader for him right now. What do you know about where the frogs stand with him and whether, whether what you're hearing as well, it lines up with what he's saying. Well, it's, it's crazy because, uh, you know, Taylor and I do a good job of, you know, sharing what we hear as far as um, from the TCU end and him from the A&M end. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've been hearing that TCU is, has been in really good shape um, the past couple of weeks. I know that um, Zarnell Fitch has done a great job recruiting him. He's, he's always down in Katie, just trying to see Corey, getting in front of Corey, letting him know that, you know, he's one of the top prospects left on their uh, 2017 wish list. Uh, Coach Patterson was down there last Thursday for an in-home visit. And, you know, they've really, really made a big push. It's, it kind of reminds me, guys, of Ross Blacklock's commitment last year because everyone thought that Ross Blacklock was going to be at A&M. And I want to say that some people even had an interview with him that had quotes saying he was going to A&M. And then just a few days prior to his announcement at the Army Bowl, he decides he's going to TCU. So this Corey Bethley recruitment kind of reminds me of that because everyone was just assuming it's going to be A&M. And he really – he almost committed to A&M over the Christmas break. I mean, he was extremely close to committing, and I think him holding off things, letting him get up to uh, uh, TCU, letting him see the campus for the first time, I think he had in his mind knew he had to give TCU a chance to at least sell him because he had never been on campus before. He had never interacted really with a lot of different coaches besides Coach Fitch. So he had an opportunity to come up there, meet with the other coaches, meet with the defensive coaches, meet with Coach Patterson, see the facilities, tour the campus, and everything just really blew him away. I mean, he had, if you asked people, he would have had a 10, 10 on a 10-point 10 scale visit. So that visit obviously pushed TCU up above A&M, and that's probably what Taylor's hearing and you know, reporting on too. Even after his A&M visit, that A&M was making a push, but some think that he's still going to end up at TCU. I don't think Oklahoma's a big player in this, number one, because they're a little bit further than what he would like to go. I know his family wants to keep him close. That's why a lot of folks think he's an A&M lock. The A&M has 26 commitments right now, and I don't know where they look at as far as defensive tackle, but TCU only has one defensive tackle committed, and that's George Ellis. And everyone knows George is kind of on the fence right now with him getting recruited by South Florida and Charlie Strong. So, You've got to really go in there and make the effort to recruit Corey. And I'm going to tell you, Darnell Fitch has just hit one out of the park as far as his efforts in recruiting Corey. Corey feels wanted, and that's a big part of this process when you go through this recruiting process. You've got to find a coach who makes you feel wanted and needed. And he knows at TCU he can come in and make a good impact right away. And he, he has a position coach that he really gets along with. So it's, it's going good right now for TCU. I think if he can just – you know, hold off close to signing day. I think TCU, you know, frogs can pull off a surprise here. That's good news. That's good news. I'm really high on Bethley. I think he's going to be a great contributor wherever he ends up at, hopefully in Fort Worth. Let's stay on the defensive line and let's go from somebody whose visit was uh, 10 for 10 to what uh, somebody else said his visit was three for 10. Tell us about uh, Graham, Taquan Graham, if I said that right, out of Temple. Defensive end, four-star, committed to Texas, was high on Charlie Strong, 
But everybody says he was not happy with, with Strong's dismissal and the way that that was handled. Take us inside his recruitment. There seems to be multiple streams of information coming out about this young man. You don't have to tell us anything you don't want to tell us about that, but we'd love to hear it. But more importantly, how, what kind of contribution do you think he can make? Because I have heard that TCU is as high on him as they are on, on their evaluation of him is as high as it would be on Marvin uh, Wilson out of uh, uh, Bel Air Episcopal. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that can come in with his size. He's a legitimate 6'3", 255, and, man, he is just so fast off the edge. I mean, he would be brilliant in the four two five defense. He really likes to get after the quarterbacks, and that's a, that's a good pitch that TC has given him is that you want to play in the four-man front, and we have a four-man front. We're just telling you to go get the quarterback. That's all you need to do, and I, I think he likes that idea now, I, you know, it, it's kind of crazy because from what I was told over the weekend when he came to the visit that TCU really did a good job of, you know, quote unquote, rolling out the red carpet for him. In other words, they were going to make him feel as wanted as any recruit they've recruited the past, you know, some odd years, however many years um, they've been doing this. They, they really made an effort to make Graham feel wanted. And, you know, it was him and his mom on the visit and, I just, uh, you know, depending on, you know, who EJ had talked to, I, I just don't really sense a three out of 10 experience. Um, Taquan has spoke nothing but, you know, highly of TCU ever since they started recruiting him. And it was really a battle between Texas and TCU before he committed to Texas. Uh, Graham has always liked Coach Patterson. He's always liked Coach Fitch. Um, and, and he's always liked what TCU has to offer. And, and I think the exposure part comes out of it because people have sold to Quan that he would get the best exposure at Texas. And what I call that is exposure and selling exposure is kind of falling for the bright lights. I could tell you a player right now that wants to transfer to TCU. I'm not going to say his name, but he wants to transfer to TCU and he's already transferred to another school. So it's, it's one of those things recruits do fall for bright lights sometimes, but, I think in his instance, um, there's obviously there's it's no secret that some people are pushing him toward Texas, and uh, but I think Oklahoma is going to be a big player in his recruitment as well. He's always kind of liked Oklahoma, and I think if I think if uh, they let Coach Patterson and uh, Zarnell Fitch on, in the house on Thursday, I think that's going to tell you that they're still very much in it. Now, if they somehow cancel the visit and don't want to do the visit. I think the writing's on the wall that he's either going to stick with Texas or go to Oklahoma. But I, I really don't, just me personally, I don't see how Taquan or his mom's going to go back and tell whoever they told that it was a three out of a 10. I just, I just don't see it because even his mom has had a fantastic relationship with uh, those coaches, Zarnell Fitch, Paul Gonzalez, the guys that recruit that area. And I'm going to tell you, they wouldn't come up to TCU uh, to turn around and tell people it was a three out of a 10. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to buy that at all. That's good stuff. I'm, I'm really high on him. He's one of my favorite players. When you watch what he can do on film, I, I, I think highly of him. I would love to see him get coached up by Fitch and be in the four, two, five. That would be, that would be good news for the frogs. I'll tell you right now, Jeff, TCU offered him when he was six foot one and a half, 220 pounds. Wow. And, Cause they saw, they saw the potential in him to become a, you know, a, a good frame defensive end with speed off the edge because he was always kind of fast. But when I first met Taquan, he was almost six two and he weighed two hundred and twenty pounds. I was at a TCU camp his sophomore year, 
and uh, prior to his junior year. And they offered shortly after. And uh, I'll tell you what, he, he looks completely different now. He looks, he's a solid 255, but they saw the potential back then a couple years ago. And I think that mm-hmm. weighs heavily on him still. That's great. Yeah, the earlier you can get in with some of these kids, not for every, all of them, but for some of them, that means everything. If you, you know, offered when before everybody else started to that before everybody else kind of piled on. So, right. Couple of uh, recruiting issues that that some listeners wanted to hear about. So I'm going to let you take. I'm going to take these one at a time. But one of the questions was, talk to us about the issue of handlers and glorified trainers that are kind of go betweens. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know that, I'm going to let you explain it and then maybe give you the, the dark underbelly of it. But recruiting is more than just you go sit down and eat cake with grandma in the living room and hope that everybody likes you. There is a there's almost sure. a free you know there's there's almost agents out there. Tell us a little bit about about handlers, about trainers, and maybe some of the dark underbelly that you know you know it's common knowledge in your business, that, but that listeners would be curious to learn about without spilling all the beans. Well, I mean, some of these guys, these trainers, are are really good dudes. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, I've got several of them that are friends, and my son's nine years old, and I already take him to a trainer. And, and it's all about helping you kind of hone your craft a little bit. And, and some of these guys, um, they they do nothing but look out for the best interests of those kids. They they care less where a player goes, um, as long as that player's going at the next level. He's 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 earned his. Uh, his money as a trainer if his kids get a chance to play college football. Now, you do have some of those guys where I think there's a little bit different motivation where maybe they can sell to other clients that, hey, my kids go to Texas or my kids go to Oklahoma. Now, if you're pushing those kids to Texas, you might have a friend or a, you know, uh, a confidant on some of those guys. And I'm not just pointing out Texas, Oklahoma. I'm just using big, bigger schools. Sometimes you have some of those players where you can push certain players to a certain school, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get it for selfish, selfish reasons where you want your clients to end up at, you know, a school like LSU or a school like Texas or a school like Alabama. Now, I'm not saying any of those guys that I know personally do that. And like I said, all all the guys that I talk to seem to be uh, ex- extremely fair with where their kids go to school. I've never seen any of them push a certain recruit any, any to any certain school. It's, it's just, I haven't ran across it. Does it happen? Absolutely. There's, there's guys that I've heard about that, you know, get, you know, stuff under the table from guys if they even get the kids to visit the campus. And it's, it's one of those deals where again, it becomes for selfish reasons that, they're helping these kids because they know in the long run it's going to build their client base because they can sell the fact that I've sent kids to Alabama. I've sent kids to Florida State. I've sent kids to USC. The better they can make themselves look, it's going to be more money in their pocket, and it's going to be it's going to open their client base even further because if you have the fact that you can sell to a college, that you've got kids that have earned scholarships to those top programs under your tutelage, then it's going to make yourself look better. But I, I can tell you right now, the guys that I, that I speak with, and I'm not going to name them by name because I don't want people even thinking that I, you know, am talking bad about them. But the guys that I, that I talk to on a routine basis, I haven't seen that from any of them. I, I see them as straightforward guys just trying to help their kids get better, and they don't give a care where any of those kids go to, go to school. That. 
that's good to hear. I know that like all things, there's people that are in it for all the right reasons. And then there's people that are, you know, maybe some shades of gray that, that aren't obvious at the beginning. So, but I, I had that asked by three different people. So I was, I wanted to bring that up to you. The last, a uh, couple of last questions here as we kind of sprint towards the end, we've got our last weekend of official visits coming up and I, it turns out there's a, 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 a recruit on campus right now as we record this, but between now and Sunday, who are we going to have on campus? What do you think are the chances of us landing these kids? And I know you already mentioned there's somebody you can't, but there's lots of names that are out there, the people that are going to be there. What do you see happening in these last, you know, four or five days before dead period hits before national signing day next week? Uh, I think you're going to get a commitment. I think Quazel White's really close to committing. Um, I know Jared Anderson was up there tonight seeing him. Um, the other guys, the Darian Mathis and Todd Harris, the big names coming in this weekend. I, I, I don't expect them to make any type of decisions, you know, before Sunday. I think it's going to be one of those deals where they wait all the way till signing day. And as a matter of fact, I think both of them said they're not going to decide till signing day. Uh, the other, the other uh, kid that's coming up this weekend, I think the Frogs have a really good chance of getting him. It's going to kind of be like the uh, Tua Ua commitment. Uh, you know, not a lot of people are going to know about him, but once they watch film, they're going to be pretty excited. He's not going to be your flashy three or four star kid. He's he's just going to be a guy like Derek Kendrick. No one really knew about Derek or Denzel Johnson before they committed, and look how he turned out for TCU. So if, if you're getting these kids up to campus this late in the process, then you obviously have a pretty good interest in them. And uh, you know, it's it's I I don't want to put a number on how many commitments I think they'll get before signing day. But, you know, right now they're at 13. I think they're going to probably end up somewhere around 17 or 18 kids uh, totally committed for this class. Of the three Louisiana kids that are coming in, Harris, Mathis, Stewart, which of those three would you say we have the best chance of landing? Knowing we might not get any of them. (laughs) Believe it or not, I, I would probably say Todd Harris. Um, sim- simply for the fact that uh, Chad Glasgow has done an extremely good job of recruiting him. Uh, the family loves him. Um, Chad loves the family from what everyone says. Uh, and-, and he really comes into a-, to a position that he would be coached under Chad. So that's a big thing. And he comes into a position that is a big need position. He can have a chance with his ability you know, to come in and play right away. And, with Mathis, I think it's it. Uh, he has TCU in his top three, but uh, I, I think it's just going to be too too much of a battle with Alabama and LSU. And, and I've told Carlos this, Mendes, with Star Telegram, it's tough uh, for a kid to get out of Louisiana when they have an LSU offer, and it's extremely tough to get a kid out of Louisiana if he has an Alabama offer as well. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, but those three, I think Bradster, he's – He's an extremely long shot from what I was told tonight. I mean, he's he's uh, probably just making a visit just to come up, get out of Louisiana for a couple of days, and he's going to go straight to Florida. So, you know, tell me what high school senior wouldn't like to get out uh, in January <laughs> to come see some uh, <laughs> some nice scenery in, in college somewhere. But, um, you know, even, you mean the trees, even, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a three to one tree ratio at TCU. That's, you know, so it's a. Uh, uh, it, it's one of those things where Brad, he, he's, he's good to come up and visit and let TCU know that, Hey, you know, thanks for recruiting me and everything. But even, even sources I talk to say that it's extremely long shot. That he's going to end up as a frog. And, you know, there's, there's no harm in that. You know, we want 
kid come up to visit, if you think you have, like we spoke about earlier, if you think you have a little bit of a chance, then, you know, all you could do is ask and, and try to impress them. And, you know what, maybe sometimes you, you pull out, you know, pull out all the stops and, and land a kid. But I, out of those three guys, I, w- I would say Harris is probably the best chance of any of those kids. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Daniel, you got anything else here before we uh, wrap up and let Jeremy go? Anything else that came to your mind? I know you're like me. You're kind of an addict with this stuff. Um, not really. I mean, that, that was an awful lot of information. Very good stuff. And um, uh, I will say there's a, there's a junior day this Sunday, too. So you could actually start to get some 2018 commits. Um, I know Vernon Jackson's going to be up in town. Um, they're going to have Joshua Fleeks over from Cedar Hill up there. Uh, Justin Rogers may be in town. So you're going to have a, a good is that group the, of Is uh, that the quarterback from Bossier City? Yes, that's the yes. 2018 from Bossier yes. City. And, and, yes. and that guy, he's always he's always had TCU among his favorites. At one point, he told me TCU was his top school. So I think uh, he and Sonny Cumbie have a great relationship. And it would be one of those things where I think Justin would come in and uh, he's been to TCU a couple times already. So I think third time might be a charm where he comes in and just says, you know what? There's no other place that is better than this. I might as well just commit. And apparently his mom already likes TCU as well. So, uh, and, and, and not only Sonny can be his relationship with him, but Russ Burns, Russ, he does an outstanding job over there in the Northern part of Louisiana and recruiting those Shreveport kids. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of factors that go into uh, these recruits' decisions, but the majority of them come away with how they feel about their position coaches and the guys recruiting them. And, and those two guys, I'll tell you right now, there's, there's you, you find two more genuine coaches than those two guys that let me know because those two right there, everyone you talk to just love, love what Tommy and Burns, uh, you know, the way they are as, uh, as coaches and more importantly, the way that they act as men. So, I, I like TCU's chances anytime those two get into North Louisiana and try to get some kids. Yeah, that has been a, a pipeline of just quality contributors for almost a decade now. So anytime we can get over there to, to that side of Shreveport, Louisiana, Bossier City, obviously Monroe, there's so much talent over there that, you know, LSU can only take 25 kids and they're going to take six kids out of Houston. You can still have an amazing player that doesn't go to LSU that comes right over to I-20 to Fort Worth. So that would oh, be absolutely. great. Yeah, that would be they great. They will always recruit. That's, and that's the big reason why you see TCU having those camps down in Kilgore because they, they value the talent in East Texas and they certainly value the talent um, from, from the northern part of Louisiana that can make their way over there from Shreveport. So they'll, they'll, uh, as long as they can have satellite camps, they'll always have that camp down there at Kilgore. That's good stuff. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to just when we think national, you know, just when we get this signing day over with, we'll roll right into 2018. We'll have a new set of guys to start to obsess over and follow their Twitter accounts because that's just the way it works. (laughs) Absolutely. Recruiting never sleeps, man. I mean, it never does. It just it's going to be a busy weekend for us this weekend. And, you know, hopefully we can keep up with it all. Well, Jeremy, you guys run a good site. Just take a minute here and tell us about. connected to 24 seven. Tell us how people can sign up and find more about your information. Maybe on Twitter. We'd love to hear uh, our folks would love to hear more about you. Well, I mean, it's, it's not only me, Jeremiah Glenn's part of it too. And uh, Jeremiah, I've, I've covered TC recruiting for 12 years. He's been with me 11. Um, wow. We've uh, been with rivals. We've been with scout. We've been with 24 seven. I can tell you right now that um, we love being a part of uh, the 24 seven community and CBS sports and, 
Um, our, our site's real easy to find. Just click hornfrogblitz.com, find us right away. On Twitter, I'm at jclarkhfb. And I want to say Jeremiah is at jglennhfb, but if I'm wrong on that, he'll uh, probably get mad. But you can find Jeremiah Glenn on Twitter as well. Um, and uh, we have a Twitter, Facebook, it's Horn Frog Blitz, And we have our Facebook page, Horn Frog Blitz on 24-7 Sports. And then uh, right now, if you click now, we can get uh, one month and uh, get two months free. So it's got a really great deal right now. We're pumping out about two or three stories a day. I think last month we pushed out about 75 pieces of content. And, uh, you know, we've always got something going on. Message board is going great. We have a lot of people on the forum now that are that are new to the site and uh we enjoy new new members and uh we enjoy the interaction with all you guys yeah well thank you for taking the time to you know we, first of all appreciate what you do you guys are the gold standard for tcu recruiting so i know there's Absolutely. other guys that are good fellas and do good work but you guys are the gold standard so we really appreciate your work really do followed you from all three sites from rivals to scout yeah. to 24 7 yeah i know i got well we appreciate the, that i mean that's I that's the reason this. why we're able I got stuck we're, with we're a scout able to subscription go to because of you. What's that now? I got stuck with 11 months of a scout per su- subscription because I signed up and renewed at just the wrong time. I bought a whole year, <laughs> and then you guys left a, like a month later. <laughs> well, we apologize for that. You know, it, you know, when it's you all right. I went uh, over and gave Greg Powers a lot of crap. <laughs> I went over and uh, asked Greg Powers like every day what was going on. He never wrote me. So it was fun. It was a little drama. That's <laughs> what you do when well, you have no we're, life. We're, we're sorry we had to do that to you guys. But, you know, we're <laughs> we're satisfied now. We're kind of like the TCU just kind of before we found a home at big, uh, you know, TCU finding a home in the Big 12, we finally found a good home in 24-7 sports. So kind of sw- uh, shifted conferences a little bit. But we're, we're home now, and uh, we're very satisfied where we're at. Well, I agree with you. It's my favorite board that I've interacted with. I love to be able to read other people's boards. It's probably for the best that I can't post on them, but I really enjoy reading other people's boards. It's a it's a great setup. It's the best network as far as I'm concerned. So, Well, guys, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. This should be uh, something you listen to hopefully on the way to work or on the way home from work. This is like the, the sprint to the end in order to watch the Horn Frogs sign their national recruiting class for night for 2017. This is the best podcast you're going to be able to listen to, to get Jeremy Clark on here to hear that information. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the show. As always, uh, Trey, not with us tonight, but as always, I got Daniel Southern and I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast.